Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So, uh, yeah, Michelle Obama is running for president. Oh, God! What's the problem here? No, God, please, no! Look, no. I, I, oh, no! You just wait one second. No! I'm just saying that it's, well, it's really, 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 really possible. I mean, super stupid possible. Like, cuckoo crazy possible. Why would we somehow think that she's not? How is it possible that anybody thinks that Michelle Obama is not in the mix? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. Good to be with you. Uh, Look, her words, not mine. The things that keep me up because you you don't have control over them. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen. Because our leaders matter, who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects us in ways that sometimes I think people take for granted. So you're terrified that Joe Biden's going to lose. And you're sending out the word that you're terrified that Joe Biden is going to lose. Oh, who will save the Democrats from themselves? Enter Michelle Obama. Now, I'm with you. I'm with you. She doesn't want it. She's never acted like a person who wants it. She has never shown a, a desire, uh, a, a, a want for being an elected official. Ever, ever, ever. Never has shown it. But things change and people change and opportunity changes. And clearly Barack Obama wants to keep running that party. So, you know, you do what you got to do. Because isn't that exactly what we're talking about? Isn't exactly what we're talking about. About how the, the, the power structure stays in power. And you say to me, Tony, you're not one of these people who believes that Barack Obama is really running the show. Uh, May I say, with all due respect, uh, do you believe that Joe Biden is actually running the show? So if it's not Barack Obama, it's somebody else, it's some group of people, an amalgam of people, whatever the case may be. You can't run Joe Biden again. So what do you do? Now, let's start, let's let's take a a, a look back and and ask ourselves if, if that's still the case. You can't run Joe Biden again. Joe Biden is unpopular and Joe Biden is a doddering old man. He is what he is. And I don't care if someone calls me ageist. Damn straight I'm an ageist. Some people are too old for the thing. That's all there is to it. My father, who is not uh, as strong as he was 10 years ago at the age of 85, is more lucid than Joe Biden and would be a better president than Joe Biden. I don't think my father should run for president. I just I just don't think that would be the best move for the country. Joe Biden is old. 
and Joe Biden is incapable, and Joe Biden has whatever mental issues he has. I'm not here to diagnose the man. I am here to say, yeah, that's not right. And you know it, and I know it, and they know it. So they're going to replace him. It's going to happen at the convention. They're going to replace him on the ballot. Now, of course I could be wrong, and he doesn't get replaced. I would say the odds are heavily in the favor of replacing him. Now, the question is, with whom? I have just laid out for you the incontrovertible facts that he is unpopular with America, he is unpopular with the party, he is seen as old, he is seen as incapable, no one views this economy as great except for Paul Krugman, and Paul Krugman is a remarkable fool Why in the world would it not be Michelle Obama? How much more clear does it need to be? Under Section 37B of the contract, it states quite clearly that all offers shall become null and void if, and you can read it for yourself in this photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses, hearing and hearing contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria calpum, etc., etc., memo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. I like to bring in my lawyer, Willy Wonka, from time to time to explain these things. Why shouldn't it be Michelle Obama? Or, or it, it could be somebody else. But this is happening. And, and I think that the, the only smart thing to do is to be fully prepared for it. Fully prepared for it. Because it's coming. And it could be somebody as well-known as Michelle Obama, or it could be somebody from far afield. What will matter most is that when that person is announced... All Democrats, all Democrats on cue will all have the same reaction. Yes, 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 yes. They will be the greatest person who ever lived. And if you bring up Joe Biden, they'll go, why are you bringing that up? Look who we're running. This is so great. If you bring up Joe Biden, nobody's talking about Joe Biden. Look at this person. They're the greatest person in the world. That's what's going to happen. That's how it's going to go down. But it isn't the only thing going on. The election is heating up as we get uh, close to, uh, to, to the caucus next week. And we now have the endorsement that matters. The endorsement of Nikki Haley by Judge Judy. Can we just note that it's 2024? Why shouldn't these things happen? Why shouldn't Judge Judy be engaged in endorsements? Quote, I truly think she can restore America. I'm proud to endorse Nikki Haley because she is whip smart. Has executive credentials and was a superb governor. Is that right? 
Kelly said that Judge Shineland, Judy Shineland, quote, has earned the respect of millions of Americans from her courtroom by being thoughtful, fair, and honest. No, she has millions of viewers because she yells at stupid people and they're not allowed to yell back. That's why people like Judge Judy. Because she's fair? No, because she calls somebody a dum-dum and she wears a robe and they can't say anything, otherwise they lose money. I'm sorry, I didn't know we I didn't know we weren't having an honest conversation. I, I would have thought that was I would have thought that was pretty dang important. Um it's 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 already a train wreck, right? It's already just ridiculous. Now, do I call my shot? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to call my shot right now? Because if if I look at data, it's it's not Iowa, it's New Hampshire. That's kind of amazing. You want the last New Hampshire poll? CNN, Trump thirty nine, Haley thirty two. Christie 12, DeSantis 5, Ramaswamy at 8%. So right now, the real clear politics average has Trump 43, Haley 29. Dude, that CNN poll is all anybody's talking about. Because what they're saying is, why the hell is Chris Christie still in this race? Get out of the race. Every Christie supporter is a Haley supporter. Haley wins New Hampshire, and now it happens. What are you doing, Chris Christie? Don't you know you should already be announcing for Senate and take out Bob Menendez? You'd get help. People would help you do it. Look, you you hugged Barack Obama after Superstorm Sandy uh, there in New Jersey, which was brutal, by the way. And that was a wrong thing to do. Wrong thing to do. Could have just shook the man's hand. You went for the hug. Sorry, you got to deal with that. You've got Bridgegate things. You've got some pettiness involved. You're, you on the beach, etc. Dude, people would totally be with you. They'd totally be with you. They would do it. And you'd give Haley the opportunity to win New Hampshire if indeed this polling is right. This, as we were talking about, this is much different than looking at Iowa. You cannot compare the two things. In the last poll, which is the morning consult poll, Trump 58, Haley 15, DeSantis 14. And right now Haley has overtaken DeSantis. Now I'm going to say a couple of things that may be met with shock. Number one, I don't know if I believe it. I have people on the ground in Iowa who tell me she absolutely is going to dominate in the metros, and there's no doubt that DeSantis needs the rural areas to pull him through. Uh, that, 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 I think that's accurate. I keep having this nagging feeling that DeSantis is going to pull things out in, in in Iowa because I think the cold is going to benefit him. This is nothing more than a feeling. There is no data to back up what I just said. I have, from the beginning, said I'm looking at the numbers, I see the polling numbers, I see how ahead Trump is, I, I I have trouble buying it. I have trouble buying it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait 
for January 15th, I'm going to wait for the Iowa caucus. Take a look at the Iowa caucus. On the day of the caucus, which is Monday, January 15th, the high temperature is negative three. The low is negative 14. I spoke about this uh, on my morning show. It was negative 12. The temperature is going down as we talk. Who shows up to a caucus? This isn't a primary where you, you, you walk in, you vote, you walk out. You got to be there in, in the auditorium. You got to be there in someone's living room. And you got to drive there in 12 degrees below zero temperatures. I don't know if people come out. I have no idea if people come out or not for this. What I know is that it can have an effect on the night of the caucus. I have stated that I don't believe that the polling numbers translate to the activist on the ground for Trump. I could easily be wrong about this. Again, it's just a feeling. That's all it is. And the reason that I bring it up in this way is that people are out there telling you exactly what's going to happen. Guys, they don't know crap. They have their own beliefs and they're putting it out there as fact. Beliefs are not fact. No one knows. And no one can really uh, make sense of where this weather, how this weather is going to treat things. This is why I think that the cold favors DeSantis. Because DeSantis is down in the polls, because DeSantis has not had the great campaign. I don't care what anybody says. They want to tell you, oh, that's just Trump talk uh, about. No, it's not. He hasn't had a good campaign. Stop it. It's okay to say. People find their legs when they find their legs. If you don't remember John McCain, it wasn't until South Carolina that he came out. He was out. It was Iowa, New Hampshire, and he was out. It was devastation. He was destroyed. Destroyed. But he didn't, he didn't freak out. He didn't lose his mind. Be cool, honey bunny. Be cool. And the rest is history. He gets the nomination and then loses to Barack Obama. If I am accurate in the DeSantis supporter realizing that the campaign has gone, but they are still believers, well then, why wouldn't they be believers on that night? They are already believers. I think I almost said believers, but that's Justin Bieber. That's something different. Uh, they're already believers when the polling is against them. Why wouldn't they be believers even in 12 degree below temperatures? The Trump people think he's just going to take it. I don't need to show up. The, the Haley people like ascendancy don't need to show up. This is why I say it. I want to share with you where I'm at. I want you to know. I'm putting my marker down. I think DeSantis can, I think he will overperform. Can, I think the possibilities are, I'm trying to hedge the bet. No, I think he's going to overperform. The problem is, shouldn't winning be exactly where he's at? Haley's surge in the numbers is real. Can't be denied. Cannot be denied. But I think that when it comes to, to, to the caucus, 
the people who are the actual believers, the ones who show up, man, I think that gives the edge. I think that gives the edge to Ron DeSantis. Now, you might say to me, Tony, you're a DeSantis guy. It's just wishful thinking. Oh, heck, we're all going to find out on Monday. Just grab the bourbon and let's go to work. But there's there's an interesting, I think you got to admit that, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm offering up a, certainly an idea that, that has possibility about the idea of where the polling is and where the believers are. That said, there's another thing to consider in this caucus conversation. When it's negative 12 and the turnout is crap, does it matter who won? New Hampshire won't care. And the people who came in second and third won't care. Well, it was so cold in New Hampshire and our people and this and that and the areas. New Hampshire's where we're going to do great. That's the killer. I mean, here I am saying that there's this opportunity, but the killer is it's so easy to dismiss when it, the temperatures are, are, are like this and you can blame the weather. You can easily dismiss it and everybody will buy in. Everybody will buy in. So, am I to the place where why am I paying attention to to Iowa? I should be paying attention to New Hampshire? If that's the case, I shouldn't pay attention to New Hampshire. I should only pay attention to South Carolina. And if, if South Carolina is in some way muddled, we're on to Super Tuesday. I'm not saying it will happen like this. I'm saying that it could get interesting all because it's cold. Oh, by the way, the Judge Judy endorsement. Doesn't move anybody. Just so you know. I'm Tony Katz. I have no idea what is with this tunnel thing. And I'm not talking about Hamas. I'm talking about in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. I'm Jewish, but I don't know everything that every Jew is doing every second of the day. I'm not in charge of that part of the telecommunications of my people. No, no, no. I I, I guard the vault every uh, other Tuesday and Thursday. And then on alternating weekends in September, I'm in control of the weather. But this is a story about a tunnel that was found under a synagogue going to a mikvah, which is a, a ritual bath. And people could use it for different reasons. Women uh, uh, use it. Um, and, and so it's it's not an everyday place, but in, in, in my world, right? How many often does mikvah come up? It's only come up once for me. My wife used one when she converted. Maybe you didn't know that. My wife converted, but we didn't actually have a mikvah in, in New Jersey where we got married. So we used the Atlantic Ocean, which is a crazy cool story. Uh, but they, they built this tunnel between the two buildings and then the police came and they're like what's this they're shutting down the tunnel and then uh the jews there the orthodox jews got angry and there was a riot 12 people got arrested i have like i have so much to read about this story to get an understanding of why they built the tunnel what's happening but i this is all i know about it i know nothing else except this is nutty i cannot wait to learn more this is tony katz today It's nice when an offer gets accepted, 
And I was very happy to hear after we reached out uh, to the leader of the Democrats in the House, uh, Phil Giaquinta, that his staff responded by saying, absolutely, uh, when? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Become a supporter there. I'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. It was a it was a statement that was made by the Indiana Democratic Party. And I want to make sure that I am clear about something I have been clear about. I want to make sure I say it again. There are individual Democrats in the General Assembly who I thought have engaged rational conversations and have had some interesting ideas. It's not that I always agree with them, but I always appreciate a rational conversation. There are people like Ed Delaney out of Indianapolis who I think are unserious as of late in engaging in rational conversation, although I've spoken to the man before. Then there are people like Carrie Hamilton. Now, I'm not saying I would agree with Carrie Hamilton on everything, but she, this a couple years ago, well, last year, this is last year because we had a special session. She's the one who wanted to eliminate the tax on diapers. That's a damn good idea. I don't care who you are. That's a good idea. You've got new moms, new parents. Why make their life more difficult? Make it a little bit easier. And so if you're taking it from that side, I'm cool with that. If you take it from, let's say, my conservative side, less taxes are always better. This got put forth in the regular session and it never went anywhere because Republicans didn't let it go anywhere. And I said, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Republicans should have been all over this. Carrie Hamilton, this is the best idea in the world. This is fantastic on terrific, on wonderful. This is great. Absolutely, let's do this. And hey, here's 12 more things we should get rid of taxes on to make it easier for Hoosier families. Let's go. Bipartisan, We not a single vote against. Let's get this done. We will have a signing celebration like you have never seen before. It, we're going to have balloon animals. It's going to be terrific. That didn't happen. As a matter of fact, what happened is it got stalled right it never moved forward and then in the special session that's when this idea got through i think this was a mistake from the republican party you didn't want to give her credit that's that's the wrong thing the right way to handle this politically is to say my gosh carrie hamilton Good on you, a Democrat who understands the importance of reducing taxes on working Hoosier families. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We cannot wait to work with you on a dozen other subjects. Really, thank you for bucking so many in your party and recognizing that Hoosier families come first. Now I ask you guys, why couldn't the Republican Party of Indiana do that? Why Why not? By the way, I I wouldn't even need to be that political. Like, if I was governor and I saw that, I'd be like, we're doing that. Get it done. Something you don't see from, 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 from Governor Holcomb at, at all, by the way. Not, not just not enough. 
at all. So that was always maddening to me. That just give her the do and get it done. And then you could engage a little bit of spin, you know, just the way I, I, I did it. So when I saw this statement from the Indiana Democratic Party, it once again reminded me that there's a massive difference between the people who are in office and the party apparatchik. The party apparatchik, Mike Schmuel, uh, Sam Barloga, these people who, who, who run the party, they're the most virulent leftists there are. Uh, oh my gosh, today we remember January 6th and the horrific insurrection led by President Trump. Never been charged, never convicted because you say it doesn't make it real. It's an absolute lie and a fraud against the American people and the Indiana Democratic Party doesn't care. It's gross. You don't have to be gross. We don't have to be the rest of the country. We don't have to be MSNBC, Indiana Democratic Party. Could you just focus on Hoosiers and stop being jerks? It's madness. Drives me nuts. But they put out a statement on the House Democratic agenda. And in the agenda, they say House Democrats' economic freedom agenda includes policies that benefit Hoosier workers, such as raising the statewide minimum wage to $15 an hour and making union dues tax deductible. And I stopped cold. I said, I don't understand what I'm reading here. I have no idea where this comes from. How is economic freedom agenda First things first, you're 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 you're, you're taking uh, from the uh, from the political right right there. Just so we're all uh, clear, you're taking from the when you talk about economic freedom, you're, you're you're taking from the political right. Then I read a little bit more, and the story w- was over there uh, at wibc.com. Again, with the headline: Democrats propose economic freedom for Hoosiers in legislative agenda. And it was a quote from Phil Giaquinta, who is the House Minority Leader there in the General Assembly. And he, he the statement is, quote, when I look around the communities across Indiana, I don't see freedom. If we are honest with ourselves, we must admit most Hoosiers can't get ahead. In fact, the numbers tell us that most Hoosiers are fighting to stay afloat financially. They aren't able to save. And, and so it continues with let's deal with the ballooning property tax bills looming over homeowners' heads and let's give them a homestead credit funded by state surplus dollars. Let's address housing and utility costs by cracking down on corporate greed. Let's also increase the renter deduction. With this, I said, I have some questions. And I immediately got uh, my, my producer one of my producers, Carl, to, to reach out. And we, we've heard a response, and we're going to make this happen, a conversation. And I said then, what I, what I say now, what I want to have a conversation about. One of the things that seemingly Phil Giaquinta and House Democrats want to do with their economic freedom agenda is raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Now, I have a lot of questions about the renter deduction. I have a serious question about what's meant by cracking down on corporate greed. 
Let's address housing and utility costs by cracking down on corporate greed. I don't actually know what that means. Let's give people a homestead credited by the state surplus dollars because of property tax bills. Well, that's interesting. Let's see how that would work. What are the pluses? What are the minuses? Because all of us across the state are dealing with with this property tax issue and it has not been fun. Is this a workable plan? Let us discuss that as we should. Economic freedom is raising the minimum wage. Now, I'm, I'm letting people know my hand as I have this conversation because when we do speak, uh, with with the minority leader, Phil Giaquinta, this is going to come up. I would like an explanation of how that works. Economic freedom is $15 an hour. With all due respect, wouldn't economic freedom be $5,000 an hour? I mean, if, if, if we're having a conversation about what it would mean to not have any worries, is that what we mean by freedom, though? What is meant by economic freedom? Because it would seem to me to be a statement at odds with the policy prescription. Economic freedom does not, or cannot, I should say, entail telling employers they have to pay X. How is that freedom? Uh, I mean, this is the question that I'm going to ask, and I I want this to be uh, a, a worthy philosophical debate. How do you explain to Hoosiers that that's what freedom is when somebody has to pay it and it is not you, the lawmaker? It's the people. It's the business owners. So there is no freedom for them to be able to engage in negotiation and to pay what they believe is the proper wage based on market forces. It's being forced upon them. And what happens when in order to stay in business, they not only don't hire, but they fire two more people so they can afford to pay everybody else this wage and give them more work to do. Is that economic freedom? And if you say to me, Tony, that doesn't happen. Well, we would have to now talk to some business owners, wouldn't we? And then we would find out quite quickly, absolutely it happens. How do we think automation in fast food came on with such rapidness it's because it's a way of reducing labor cost you want to talk about ways we've reduced labor cost how about every time you have an issue with name your a credit card company a bank or somebody else you have to call a system where you only get to speak to a machine you don't get to talk to people if you have a problem with facebook there is no customer service for you to call If you had a problem with Google, do you get to talk to anybody? You actually get to talk to a person? You don't get to talk to a person. These things are done to reduce costs. And it's also done to keep uh, you, the end user, at arm's length and just deal with what they tell you. But it, it, it it is clear and obvious that it is done as a cost reducing measure. I want to know how that brings us economic freedom. Now, other things that uh, uh, the leader, Gia Quinto, wants to do is expand, uh, ex- enact and expand access to universal pre-K, um, which uh, he believes would help with, with literacy. Fine conversation. So I'm looking forward 
uh, to it. But when I saw this economic freedom agenda and then raising the minimum wage and also, as, as was, was, was stated, the idea, here it is in, the, in their press release, um, that they would want to make union dues tax deductible. I would like to make cigars tax deductible. I'm a man who smokes cigars. I review cigars. I would like to make bourbon tax deductible. You know what? Rye is Indiana's drink. Let's make rye whiskey tax deductible. Why not? Once we start engaging the conversation of tax deductions, why is it only for this specific purpose? To help out union membership? Uh, Allow me to ask the question. A question I will ask. Uh, uh, I certainly hope to get to. Does unionization mean economic freedom? All I'm asking is for an understanding of what it is that's really being said. And yeah, to, to, to show your work. Explain it. Explain how that betters the, the, the average or non-average who's your family. How that makes Indiana a better place. To their credit, they responded quickly. They responded uh, professionally. Um, do you, and then they asked, uh, what day would would be good uh, to appear on the show? And we sent some 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 times, some days, and 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 hope it all comes uh, together. The general assembly session is, is a shorter session this this term, but is nonetheless important. And it is true that with less and less local news outlets, there's less and less coverage of what they do and the coverage is necessary. They have to see that we're watching and that keeps uh, them on the up and up and really keeps them away from the temptation of saying, how do I get a pork product project for myself and for my town, etc., and just spend the people's money. Really important. And I think that we should be having these conversations very out loud and with a bit of decency and with a bit of respect or a lot of decency and a lot of respect. So hopefully it all come together. And when it does, we'll bring it to you. This is Tony Katz today. In fact, the majority of all migrants encountered at the southwest border throughout this administration have been removed, returned, or expelled. A majority of them. We are doing everything we can within a broken system to incentivize non-citizens to use lawful pathways, to impose consequences on those who do not, and to reduce irregular migration. That is Secretary Mayorkas, and that's just nonsense. You are not doing everything you can. And you keep saying broken system, we get it. Lots to do on the immigration front. But stop telling us you're doing everything you can. That's simply untrue. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. And then to tell the American people this. 
The high number of migrants we have encountered at our southern border is a challenge that is not unique to the United States. Countries throughout our hemisphere, in fact, throughout the world, are experiencing an unprecedented number of displaced people fleeing poverty, authoritarian regimes, homes destroyed by extreme weather events, corruption, and violence. With all due respect, you have an open sign. And no one cares what's happening in other nations. As a matter of fact, we should learn from other nations not to do this. They're having a hard time in the UK, hard time in Germany. Poland and Hungary, less so. We should be learning lessons. Instead, we give people a slip of paper that says, hey, you don't have to see a judge for another four and a half years. Have a nice day. You're in the country now. I'd put an end to asylum. I'd put an end to it. The NGOs that teach people to lie, I would charge them with treason. And until this border is secure with policy and technology, shut it down. We're not safe. Remember that when you vote. Doesn't matter who the left runs. They can't keep the country safe because they don't want to. Now, all we have to do is force the political right to move forward on policy. Yeah, just that easy. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.